I look for those sparks of beauty that you see even in spaces that may not necessarily be typically beautiful. Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hello and welcome everyone to episode 28 of the Make and Decorate podcast. So this episode comes out on the 23rd of May, which is just before our long holiday weekend in the States. Um, It's Memorial Day weekend and uh, most everybody gets a nice uh, four day weekend. But the big concern here is the weather. It's been crazy. Uh, Today, it's barely in the 50s. And um, the next three days, it's going to jump up 30 degrees to the 80s. But we're going to have more rain and storms across those three days. And um, the forecast is showing that on Memorial Day Monday, we should have perfect weather. And that is full sun, no clouds and 75 degrees. So I'm looking forward to that. And I do hope that that uh, forecast does not change. Uh, But it's just been very volatile weather across the country. And I'm really not going to complain about our weather, even though it's been crazy. Um, You know, we've just had to deal with some pesky rain storms and going from 50s to 80s back and forth a few times, but nothing, you know, super damaging like other parts of the country are experiencing. So I'm not going to complain. I have got a phenomenal guest on the show today, Latifa Safir. And I uh, can't wait for you guys to listen and to hear this. But first, I'm just going to go through my normal first segment of just updates. Um, Last weekend, I uh, went to a Libs Elliott workshop. Libs Elliott was in the area and I kind of got in at last minute and it was so lucky. So um, it was a great workshop. It was an all day workshop and it was at um, the Thimbles Quilt Shop, which Tammy Newton was one of my episodes um, of the one of the owners that I interviewed. And um, this quilt shop has a huge um classroom space it's all the the entire upper uh second floor and a cool thing also is that you don't have to lug your sewing machine upstairs <laughs> they have like this old uh fashioned freight elevator so you can just roll your machines onto it and then they will send them upstairs so that's kind of cool uh but this workshop was called embrace the chaos quilt And I had really no idea of what to expect. I'm very familiar and I know Libs, her work. And um, last year she had this really cool um, campaign with Absolute Vodka and where one of her quilt designs, uh, I think she did a red maple leaf uh, through her um, technique of um, designing through computer uh, code processing. And so, um, and then she also has fabrics. Uh, she's a fabric designer, a pattern designer, and um, she's got that really cool quilt pattern that a lot of you know about, which is like the skull. Um, it's it's big. It covers almost the entire quilt and looks really cool. So it was really nice to meet her. 
and um, it was a great class. Um, but again, I wasn't sure because, um, you know, the information was embrace the chaos. And we are going to mimic computer programming with random quilt pattern design. So, you know, that's great. I was up for it. But I'm like, I have no idea how we're going to do that. <laughs> but it was so much fun. It really was. And I went in there very open-minded, and you have to do this, because otherwise you're going to make it so hard on yourself. But um, if you do go in and embrace it, it is a lot of fun. Um, when Libs was walking around, and we we had to bring like colored pencils or markers, so we were coloring in our designs and um, to where our fabrics were going to be placed. And uh, the process, though, we didn't do this on computers, but um, she did like a mimic. So she developed this really fun little um, way of doing a uh, random design, random design on the blocks that we were using that the computer usually does for her. So it was really a lot of fun. I think this is a course that she does um, for Quilt Guilds, and this was for the Chicago Modern Quilt Guild. And um, after you kind of go through the process of of making your random quilt design, and it was really cool, too, because these are were for like a 30-inch square or a 40-inch square quilt design, which I kind of liked, and so that you didn't get overwhelmed with a ginormous quilt pattern. And what's really so amazing about this is that no one's quilt pattern is going to be the same as anyone else's. I mean, the combinations are like infinite. So that was really cool. We all put our, you know, um, finished colored in pattern designs together and took a picture of those. I have that posted on my Instagram. Um, and so go take a look at that if you want to see. Uh, so, um, and then uh, after that, you just kind of go through and start cutting cutting out your pieces for the blocks and putting them together. So although I did embrace the chaos, there was still part of me that wanted to refine this design. And by that, um, Libs said that you can do anything with these blocks and um, you don't have to make the quilt as the blocks are in each row. So meaning that some of these shapes, when they're all put together, all the rows are laid together, you can overlap them and make larger shapes in the overall quilt design. And I thought that was really cool. So I spent some time figuring that out so that across the quilt, I kind of had like little, you know, chevron bigger type patterns that spanned across several blocks and, um, you know, a little bit more of like a larger graphic. So that was cool. I had a ton of fun with that. And I, um, I was working on that for a while, while some other people were already like cutting their fabrics out. But um, when Libs was coming around everybody, I, I was having so much fun with it. And I told her, man, I could just sit, sit here for hours and you can come up with so many different combinations. But, you know, then she's like, yep, that's that's true. And and it's uh, then it comes to the point of where you like have to say, OK, it's time to stop. <laughs> 
<laughs> which is so true. But um, but I didn't have a problem with that either. I kind of like figured out my shapes and then I stopped and I was just really pleasantly surprised at how much fun this was. And I thought it might be stressful because going into something that you have absolutely no idea what you're doing could be stressful, but this was actually so much fun. It was just refreshing. I absolutely loved this workshop, love Libs, and she is just an amazingly talented person. She's an artist and designer and it was just really cool. It was it was just really a wonderful experience. So I really wanted to finish this quilt top. You know, I when I got home, I continued to work on it. Like I was that into this. I set up my little station like downstairs, not in my regular sewing studio so that I can continue to work on it while I spent time with my husband in front of the TV. And so I worked on it and I got everything cut out and started to make I made a block. And then that night, oh my gosh, my arm was killing me because I've been dealing with this tendonitis and, um, you know, it's from the elbow and now I have a rotator cuff injury. And um, I finally realized that all of that rotary cutting aggravated <laughs> my arm. It was terrible. So I just finally came to realization I really have to rest this arm and I cannot, I've got a, I'm just laying off quilting for a couple of weeks, especially like the rotary cutting. I can probably still sew at the machine, but I just, lifting the iron even. So it's so hard for me to do. It's crazy, but I know I have to do it because it'll never get better. And this is, it's just so painful. But anyway, you guys don't want to hear about that, but. But you do understand that when you have something that precludes you from doing your craft, it's really a bummer and it's so hard. It's so hard to deal with. Ah. <laughs> oh, I'm pouting. I know. All right. So I want to give you guys a reminder to sign up for my newsletter. I've, I've seen, um, you know, a bunch of you sign up and that's wonderful. Um, I don't know when the first one's coming out. I'm trying to get one done for June. So we'll see if I if I accomplish that goal. Okay, and then another um, announcement about my website. I do have a shop and I've got some interior design consultation items on there and I'm going to run a sale for a couple of weeks. Um, so Go check it out. Um, if you just go to my website, stephaniesochadesign.com and go to the shop, uh, I've got 20% off some of the um, consult services. And I relabeled some of these because some of them are definitely geared towards you guys as makers and um, do-it-yourself DIYers. There's a color consult, and sometimes people just need some guidance on color palettes and um, how you carry that throughout your home without being too repetitive, but still having a flow. Um, there's one on um, furniture with color consult. And what I mean by furniture is just, you know, for for one of your rooms, if you need some help with furniture layout or ideas, if maybe you're planning on getting a sofa, 
but don't want to make a mistake by either getting one that's not going to fit through your door or even fit in the room or maybe one that's too small. So upholstery furniture is a large investment and you really want to know what the plan is before you go shopping for those items. So that is what that one is for. And then I have a third one um, for DIY ready-made window covering how-tos. And if you are wanting to, um, let's say you want to just order like shades from the shade store or, or someplace like that, even from Home Depot, uh, then um, uh, you'll have to know how to measure your windows properly in order to get those ordered. Because that's what DIY is. You got to do this stuff yourself. <laughs> and um, and then even if, you know, a lot of those services have installers that will come out and do a measure, a final measure for fabrication. But even then, you really have to take the responsibility of knowing what you want because sometimes you don't want to leave all the decisions up to like an installer because they're not designers and they don't, they just know like what they install. And a lot of times they'll go for what's easiest, easiest for them to install. So there's a lot to consider, but you have to have the know-how on how to do that. So that is what that one is for. So 20% off, and I'm going to run it for two weeks. And um, so so take advantage of that while it's there. All right. So hey, I've got um, some new reviews and comments uh, in, in email that I would like to talk about. And uh, because if you take the time to do an, a review, especially an iTunes review. iTunes does not make it the easiest to do that, but um, I really appreciate uh, those who have done so. And um, the most recent one I saw up there is from Donna at Sozo. And uh, here's what she wrote. Great tips on decorating, helpful info on sewing machines, notions, etc. The interviews are conversational and interesting and friendly. The YouTube videos are awesome and the frequency is very appreciated. Thank you for putting this out there. So thank you so much, Donna. I really appreciate your comment. And it really, first of all, it really makes my day and makes me happy to hear that. And secondly, it motivates me to continue to put uh, together great content for everyone. I got an email from Susan V. And she actually had a request for um, a podcast topic. So I will incorporate this sometime soon. I thought it was a good idea. Uh, she she wants some decorating tips on how to make shabby chic in an updated way. So how to decorate that way? Because um, back in the day, and I know exactly what she's talking about, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, shabby chic was like a, a thing. It was, you know, um, really like a popular thing. You know, like how today the uh, Joanna and Chip Gaines look is everywhere with the black window trim and white walls. Well, back then, shabby chic was the thing. And it was very Victorian. It was very feminine. Um, lots of floral and lace and that sort of thing. So I understand what she's looking for, because she does like it. Um, but um, doesn't want all of that proof. And uh, so there is a way to do that. And I will 
do an upcoming podcast segment on it. So thank you, Susan. I appreciate it. And um, thanks for, for taking the time to send an email. All right, so this first segment has gone a wee bit over what I normally do, and I don't want to make you wait any longer for my conversation with Latifa Safir. So um, if you uh, hang around at the end, I'll just do um, a little uh, mini segment on uh, what I've been watching and YouTube recommendation. So stay tuned for that or don't, whatever you, whatever you are feeling. Latifa Safir of Latifa Safir Studios is my guest on the podcast today. Latifa is a pattern, a quilt pattern designer. She's a fabric designer with Hoffman Fabrics, and she also has designed uh, acrylic templates for her clammy quilts. Um, And she's got um, a new pattern that I believe has released by now. Um, so we talk about all of that in the podcast. So, um, here we go. Today, I welcome Latifa Safir of Latifa Safir Studios to the show today. Hi, Latifa. Stephanie, how are you doing today? Oh, very good. Very good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Great. So, um, I was just telling you that I met you in person way back in 2015 at the Chicago Sotopia Retreat. Yeah, that was the first time that they had a teacher at a Sotopia event. Mm-hmm. And it was intense. It was like 40 students in a classroom. But yes. we, we rocked it out. It was a lot of fun. That was my very first um, retreat of sewing of any kind. Shut up. Seriously? Yeah, yeah. And so it was quite over. Pepper Quilts was there too. And that was yes. the first time teaching. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was a first for every, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> there were a lot of people there. That was crazy. It was so, a funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But for me, like I had at that time, I had only been quilting for, I don't know, maybe like three years. And um, I had maybe made three tops, quilt tops at that point. So, and I don't know if you could see, but. I see your mobile's um, blocks in the back. <laughs> from that class. I haven't even finished it yet. <laughs> That's fine. They're still embarrassing. But the reason why I haven't finished it is because that's for me. So I all my stuff always gets pushed back because I'm making stuff for everybody else. And I hear people say, Oh, if I go, I don't need any more quilts in my house. And I'm like, really? Because (laughs) I seem to think it's going out of my house. (laughs) Exactly. Over the last year or two, I finally made quilts for our bid. Yeah. I I find them like, you know what? That kind of does not make sense. Right. You know? So I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, and it, a lot of it was just finishing the quilts I had started, like mm-hmm. your molehills. Yes, yes, <laughs> so for sure. Thing. Yeah, and I finally went like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. We have three quilts now that we use on our bed. Oh, great. I out. know. Yeah. So I'm definitely making like a mental goal type thing of, you know, you got to, I I got to get some, make some stuff for me because. When we talk, I want to see progress. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. I kind of have an idea for this. Um, well, I don't know because it's laptop laptop size. You can go so, bigger. As yeah, as you have to start putting it together. You can always go bigger. Was, and they're so big that they going mm-hmm. bigger not that difficult. Yeah, because I, I I would need it for a king, or I might still keep it as throw. But I want to do like a an applique um, on top of the molehill, like the oh, of a, yeah. this butterfly. So I, I've gotten ideas for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't wait. Cool. Yeah, I will definitely show you when I finally get it done. <laughs> so, um, 
Anyway, let's talk about you and where you're from. So I was born in Cincinnati, never really lived there. And then we moved to L.A. when I was a baby still. Oh, okay. L.A. is my dad's hometown. Uh And we lived in L.A. until I was about 12. And then we moved to Texas. So I spent high school, I mean, junior high, high school, college in Texas. And then I moved back to Los Angeles. So that's where I live now. And I've been here for a long time. <laughs> okay, so you're in Los Angeles. And, um, and then when did you first know, I ask almost everybody this, but not just like when you started sewing, but I'm really curious to know when you just, just realized that you have a creative bug or gene that, you know, you just really wanted to follow and you knew that, you know, being create, creative was for you. Well, when I was about, I'm going to say about six or seven, I'm not sure exactly, but I was fairly young. Um, my dad started us creating. So I am second oldest of seven. And I always say, I think he did it just to keep us busy. <laughs> <laughs> but he started us making greeting cards. And mm. it was this thing that we did all the way through high school. It eventually became our first little business, me and my older sister. Um, but we made greeting cards with felt and foil paper and lace and construction paper and, you know, all of that. And, um, that was kind of when I caught the bug and I've sort of been creative ever since. Mm -hmm. So I was a, a cereal crafter like no one else is Mm -hmm. (laughs) all cereal crafters. Right. And my mom taught us to sew kind of around the same time, but I, we didn't really pick that up until I was about 10. My older sister and I, we did a lot of stuff together. We're only like a year apart. Oh, so yeah. So I started sewing then and, and when we got interested, she just gave us the machine. So that's sewing what yeah because she hated to sew <laughs> but she had the, the foresight to teach us you know and so um, as second oldest of seven we also didn't have like a lot of new clothes and things growing up so we we're like okay well I guess we have to make them ourselves so it was kind of cool learning how to sew at that age though yeah and and it's really you say oh we didn't learn until 10 I'm like that's pretty young <laughs> you yeah, had a really yeah. good start and then she, literally she just gave us the machine she's wow. she taught us the basics how to get around the machine how to do basic maintenance and clean it, how to, you know, put in like a buttonhole, a zipper, and, you know. That's awesome. She to help. Like she knew, but she hated it. So she didn't like to do it herself. Uh-huh. I think my mom really didn't secretly didn't like it, but she did sew for us when we were young, like you said, for clothes. So yeah. like yeah. I'm the oldest of six and I have yeah. three, three brothers behind me. So uh, we all had those matching tank tops and shorts in the summer with the terry cloth <laughs> yes yeah we had yeah. matching stuff too That's yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> my mom she it wasn't it wasn't so secret that she hated it <laughs> I always like she doesn't really cuss or didn't at least when we were growing up so i always say my my biggest memory of my mom at a sewing machine is her cussing the machine out without using cuss words <laughs> so, but, but thankfully she 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 passed on the the tools to yeah, us. Yeah, my mom made up um, like a PG cuss words. So when you heard, we whenever you would hear fudge brownies, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's oh, that's cool. So then, so then you were, you know, when did you start quilting though? I didn't start quilting to the same year that we founded the Modern Quilt Guild. 
So, um, which now we're going on nine years coming up. Yeah. This is I mean, 10 years. We're going on 10, we're nine years. We're going on 10 years and a couple of months for the first meeting for the LA Modern Quilt Guild. That was 2009. And that was the same year I started quilting. Oh, I, <laughs> the the oh. thing about, I sort of dove in head first because I did not have to learn how to sew to quilt. Right, so, right. Yeah, so I just yeah. have to learn like the quilt specific things. So. Right, me too. Because I, I had uh, been sewing off and on for a long time. I started quilting in 2010 was when I took my very first class, but okay. I was not like, I didn't dive into it. I mean, I learned how to sew quilt tops, but then I, the class didn't show you what to do after that. So, oh, yeah. um, and then I took like a piecemeal sort of like a quilting class but I just think that like when people can take the whole thing together <laughs> it makes yeah. more sense it does. even if you just make a little mini quilt yeah. learning it's that whole process good. takes the I think takes the intimidation out of it the Absolutely. whole the whole process because then you like fret and fear and worry and then by the time I finally did it I, it's just like okay yeah, this is doable. Because I, I like you, I mean, I sewed clothing and home deck and stuff for many years before, you know, and then 2010. So, but that's great. I mean, um, so, and did you co-found the Los Angeles Modern Quilt Guild or the Quilt Modern Both. Quilt Guild? Both. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so we, we started the LA Guild um, and... Soon after, everyone else started saying, we want to do the same thing. And groups started popping up all over the place. And then we decided, like, if we don't organize as a national organization, someone else is going to. Sure. So we started sort of, and we were treading water for a long time because we didn't know how to do what we were trying to do. Mm-hmm. And we were playing catch up for a number of years as well. But we started the the LA Guild and then the, the national organization. Oh, cool. All right. So, um, yeah, because I don't know what I was thinking. I mean, I'm an individual member and I was I was also a member of the Chicago one, too. Um, but uh, it's just it's it's a long it's not a long story. It's they meet on Sundays and it's hard for me to get to those. So. Oh, I get it. <laughs> so I, I, and I very rarely make it to our L.A. guilt meetings because <laughs> I'm I travel a lot. And then when I'm home, yeah. I hear father. So I feel I guilty for not hard. going to more than like three exactly. meetings. So then I'm like, I better just do uh, individual then. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I get it. <laughs> but they're so nice, so I might, I may go back to to that because they're like, you can come anytime, and you know, yeah, it's blah, fun. Blah, blah. To, even so. when when you can't only go every now and again, just to see everybody, and right? See, yeah, see person, you know, uh huh. It's yeah. really absolutely because every you know when I do go, it's so much fun, and um, there's so many talented people there, yeah. and they're so friendly, and it's just nice to be in a group setting with other people that love and to do the same thing you like to do. And I always leave feeling inspired and like ready Mm -hmm. to sew. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Right. Cool. So, um, so you're still part of the, that guild today. And, um, oh, um, I wanted to talk about, I, I kind of know what sewing machine you use because I've been watching your YouTube videos, (laughs) but what, uh, talk about what sewing, what, what you sew on. So I primarily sew on the Genomi 6700 QCP. Um, I was Genomi educator for years. And I'm one of those kind of people where I'm not a natural salesperson. So I have to really, really love a product to sell it. And as an educator, that's what you are. You're kind of a glorified salesperson. (laughs) You just have to know a lot about the machines. And so I did that for a number of years. And I've always been a Genomi girl. So I've had the 6600, the 8900. I have the 6700 currently. 
Um, and I also own a 1600 P, which okay. is a great stitch only machine as yes. well. Yeah, because that's similar to the machine I have, which is the Juki 22 Q. Oh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, um, Pedal right. to the maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the other cool thing of being at the Sotopia because everybody brought their machines. And that's when I first started hearing about this high speed straight stitch <laughs> and all be all for quilters. And um, the, the there was one person there that uh, she was part of the, I don't know, crew or whatever the uh-huh. of the event. And she let me try out her baby lock version of it the jane and i was like oh wow (laughs) so then i ended up getting my juki but um oh and this is a funny thing so in your molehills class on your supply sheet you had um bring a seam roller to class and i come in there do 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 and i you're like okay get out your seam rollers and i pull out the seam roll (laughs) let your press close on Oh my God. I don't even remember that. that great was, oh, I do. <laughs> it was like a little embarrassing. I'm like, and, and you're like, oh no, a seam roller. Like you're going <laughs> to roll open your seams. <laughs> it just makes it more convenient. That's funny. It was funny. <laughs> oh man. There was, that was good times. <laughs> yeah, it, was. it was a fun class. It was a good group. It was a really yeah. good group. Yeah, yeah. I was lucky too because I I got to sit like right behind you, so yeah. that was sitting close to the teachers has its uh <laughs> its uh perks. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and okay, so you are definitely like Janome all the way. Do you think you already have your dream machine, or do you have one that you kind of dream about having one I- day? So the only big feature that I think I don't have, like I, when I have my 8900, which is the machine I had before this one, um, and I tried all the all the way up to the 15,000 just being an educator, and I okay. actually had that in my home for like a year and a half, okay. you know, so I've tried them all. But the biggest thing I think, and I think a lot of um, sewists would agree with this, is a massive bobbin. Yes. And that's technology. I mean, some machines have larger bobbins, but that's a technology like an endless bobbin where you can hook the same spool of thread up that you do to your machine. That would be like dream machine. <laughs> that is <laughs> actually a good, yes, that so, would be a that dream machine. technology that hasn't really been developed yet. So. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, because I, I have got the, a Bernina that has that jumbo bobbin and I yeah, love I love it because when I switch back over to the Juki, it's so much smaller. And I'm like, what? I got to fill this again. And I'm like, you know, fill five of them all at once. <laughs> but it's still a pain to like have to open, flip open the bobbin thing, stop what you're doing. Exactly. But I, that's actually a great, I, I think I would wish for that too, for like. And there's a lot of features. I mean, even the 6700, I had the 9400. I used that for uh-huh. a while before the 6700. And it has like the automatic foot, you know, but that hover, mm-hmm. all of that. Those are fun too. But mm-hmm. for me, a, a mechanical straight stitch only machine is perfect for what I do. I love the 6700 because of the dual feet foot, which is like mm-hmm. the uh, the built in walking foot system. Right. That's can I do a ton of straight line quilting? And I my 1600p will do it, but the that, that built in walking foot is just that much better. So so the machine that you did in your YouTube video that where you sewed the clamshell rows together which one is that the one with the dual feed 
That's the 6700P. Uh-huh. Okay. That, I was like, that looks pretty nice. Because at first, because it's got, it looks similar to the 1600P. Because it it's does. got the huge harp space. Yeah. So um, the 6700 is the newer model of the 6600, which has been out for like, I don't know, like 15 years. And okay. was a, a, a well, I like it's one of Janome's even still best-selling machine huh. ever. And it's, it has a metal body like the 1600P. Yeah. And I think it has the same amount of throat space. So it's not the 11 inches like the 8900 has or the 9400, but it's closer to like nine okay. plus, yeah, which, is the same as, which is the same as your Juki. Right. It's about the same uh, throat space wise. Okay. Yeah. So that's the 6700. But it will do decorative stitches like zigzag. And you, because you were moving your needle around. Exactly. It does the nine millimeter stitches. So you have ah, a 10, nine nine, 91 needle positions. I sound like the genome educator, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know these machines. No, but well. this is good because, yeah. you know, people are always looking for features and, you know, they only see what's around them. So, right. you know, if you don't have like a good, Janome dealer, then how are you yeah. going to know? So, um, yeah, I mean, that's good. And I didn't even know that machine. It's so a, It's a mid-level price point. So Which there's is good. Yeah. There, like the the 9400 is top of the line sewing only. Mm-hmm. This is not, this is still, you know, like a, I don't know, 3000 plus. I don't know how much it costs on the market. So it's not the $5,000 machine. It's right. below that. So it's not quite as expensive, but it's full featured. It's great. And it still has that really robust feel because it has, uh-huh. it's metal on the outside. So yeah. people love it. Sturdy, yes. you know, to that yeah. machine. Yeah. And, and as you were sewing on it, 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 does it also have the higher speed uh, like it, the other one does? I think. Like, oh, like a thousand does, stitches or more? It does go to a thousand. I think it's like a thousand and fifty. So That's it's good. Not, yeah. It's not 1600 stitches per minute. So it's not your straight stitch only. Okay. But um, when you do put the, they have a straight stitch needle plate on this machine Ooh. and it actually sews at a slightly higher speed when the state huh. straight stitch needle plate is on it. It gives you that stability of that, you know, that needle being in that one position as yeah. well. So it's a fabulous machine. I love it. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> yeah. I was really like <laughs> focusing on this machine while you were sewing with it, but also. <laughs> Maybe I'll have to do a like a little. You should do a tour of the machine. The machine. That's pretty cool because that's not one that I have seen very often. I didn't yeah. even know that. You said though it's the previous model of has been around for a while. The Tender was my first Bit Girl machine. So Aww. when I did that, I was serious about quilting. Yeah. I um, I bought it off of someone on Craigslist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> believe it or not, and I paid like a thousand dollars for it, which for me was a whole lot because before sure. I. Just, $350 Kenmore machines, mm-hmm. you know, um, and um, I really thought I was big stuff at the time, but the previous model was my first, you know, which is probably why I like this line of machines because it's so familiar to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah. Nice. it's funny. Because uh, I got my Juki off of Craigslist. Did you really? Yeah. <laughs> it was for a ridiculously low price, but yeah. I mean, it, it. I knew where it was coming from though, because it was this, uh, this kid's summer camp. And oh. they had used these machines just for the summer, and that was it. Wow. And they were, like, brand new. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I drove, like, an, almost an hour and a half to go get it, but I didn't care. I was just like, I am getting a Dookie TL 2010Q. I'm like you, like you. I'm like, I'm a big girl now with a cool, fast machine. Exactly. <laughs> it's awesome. But exactly. cool. Yeah. I, I, like that, um, I like that machine that you have there. 
Yeah. It's kind of like the best of both worlds with your quilting and yet you can still incorporate some of the um Absolutely. the nine millimeter stuff with it with decorative Absolutely. stitches. Cool. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So if you couldn't tell, I love machines. <laughs> <laughs> I do too. <laughs> so let's get into the story of Latifa Safir Studios, um, because I don't know when you were at Zootopia, were, were you at that at that time or not? I was slowly. Yes, because my first pattern had molehills is my first pattern. I thought that was your first pattern. That's okay. My very first printed pattern. And I'm not sure the timing. I have to read. I don't know. Sometimes the years start to kind of run into each other, but I was getting started at that time. I was still a genomic educator at the okay. time and I was slowly building because I had to learn a lot to be able to write patterns. And I do all my illustrations, all my photography layout. Like I do it all from the beginning to the end. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I'm, I think it was just before then that I had my successful Kickstarter campaign. So what happened was in 20. 12 or 2013, I got laid off of my technology job. I'm a mechanic, I have a mechanical engineering degree, and I've kind of been in the technology world for a number of years. I worked at salesforce.com. And um, when I got laid off of my technology job at Salesforce, I decided that I was going to follow my heart instead of my head and do something that I enjoyed more. Right. But I didn't quite know how to do that. Right. So um, I met Janome, the Janome, uh, my Janome um, contacts at the first QuiltCon. They were a major sponsor at QuiltCon. And I was kind of talking to them about what I wanted to do. And they were like, well, while you're working on developing your own brand and getting yourself out there and all of that, do you want to come work with us in the meantime? And they've always been really supportive of me doing that as well. So um, I said, sure. So I traveled and worked with Janome for a number of years. That was actually a really great experience because it put me in the classroom of some amazing teachers that have been around for some of them like 20, 30 years. It, I got a chance to really get a taste for the industry, be in and out of quilt shops all across the country, go to all the shows. So it was a really fabulous um, experience for me. And I gained a lot. You know, I asked mm -hmm. lots of questions. Mm -hmm. I knew what my end goal was and Janome did as well. Mm -hmm. um, and then um, Amber, um, one shabby chick, what is her? And from Hawaii, what's her? Amber... Carillo, I don't know, I'm probably mispronouncing her name, but she says, why don't you do a Kickstarter? And I'm like, wow. oh, I've never thought about that. So I, um, and it took me a while to get it off the ground because it's really hard to put yourself out there like that. Because it's different people saying, we love your work and we love your work. Here's money, you know, right? right. <laughs> it's a little bit of a different thing. So I spent a lot of time to put out this pretty professional Kickstarter campaign and do all of that. And that was a huge learning experience too, because I overpromised and oh. I was took me forever to get product out. So it's been a it was a, the most amazing experience. I was completely funded in like just over a day, and I raised like twenty thousand dollars to get the product wow. out. So it was this amazing experience, mm -hmm. and I've had so much love and support from people who have been with me from the beginning and from the industry and all of that. So that was kind of the beginning of it. But it's been a few years for me, kind of the build up to where I am now. I've been doing it full time for probably the last three, two to three years, about three years now. Okay. So I, remember I stopped my work with Janome. Mm -hmm. um, 
I'm still associated with them. Um, so they'll send me machines and stuff to play with. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so that's, that's cool. That's so a good much thing. Fun. But um, that's a but great yeah. partnership that you made with them. And it's th- that sounds like a great company that they knew what your, you know, path was and they still supported you and they were not like, no, you must only do this for us. So Absolutely. that was awesome. That's very and good. Very supportive. So I just, um, my first blueprint clash is launched and, um, I saw it. and it's so, yeah, I'm so excited. <laughs> and Janome actually sponsored the class and they referred me. So oh. they're like, oh, you want a great teacher? We'll show you a great teacher. I'm like, that, so that, you know, they still, they still support me and I try to support them as well. So it's a really great, great. Um, yeah, you are a great teacher. I definitely I mean, I've, I've been in one in person class and then um, online class. So very, very good. I still remember I know that Sotobia feels like ages ago, but I still remember certain things. And, and I like, you know, I so similarly to you where it's like, you know, fold the curve in half to find the center point, you know, just easy stuff like that to like make it easier and less intimidating to do the exactly. curves. Exactly. And I like sewing curves anyway. So yeah, <laughs> it's too. fun. Well, if you started from garment sewing and then jumped into quilting, yeah. then you usually are intimidated by curves. Right. People right. who start off with quilting a lot of times and they are like, oh my God, I'm going around this curve now, you know, but <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Very true. In my experience. Oh, cool. So, um, and then you, um, wait, so go back to the Kickstarter thing, because that is intimidating. And you really are like, on a smaller scale, but, you know, think of like, um, I don't know, like, before Google was Google, and they have to get like these investors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's like nerve wracking. That's just like asking people to invest in, you know, intellectual property, (laughs) and not actually a physical, tangible thing is a hard thing. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, um, I had never, that was, I had never finalized patterns before for print. I had never finalized patterns for print. I, um, my, my kicks, um, clammy, templates was all conceptual. So I didn't have final artwork for that. Uh And I was almost done with a lot of it. But um, a few of those things I, I'm like, I'm 80% done with X, Y, and Z, but that 20% that I had left, I had to figure out how to do. Uh So it took me just as long or longer than that 80%. And so it was, but it was, it was really, really like I was in tears. I was on the road with Janome like the second day when I got fully funded and I posted my second um, video post from my hotel room on the road with Janome somewhere like on the, I was, I don't know, like in New Hampshire, I don't know, I was on the East coast somewhere. (laughs) And I literally was like in tears because I'm like, Oh my God, people actually believe in what I'm doing. And I want to see me be successful. So it was a, it was a really, really gratifying experience. And it took me way too long to get the product out. And I was trying so hard every day trying to like figure everything out. But um, it is what it is. I learned a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I should have communicated more. I should have been this and that, you know, but I really, really like was putting my all into it. So but I learned a lot of great lessons from it. And sure. it was, was like a, a phenomenal experience. Yeah. And what you did is you you actually just did it like you because that's one of the things I struggle with a lot is over preparedness and 
nothing actually getting done. So like with the podcast, I wanted to do it for four years. So I'm slowly changing it on there. And I've been listening to a lot of great, um, you know, educators and, and people who've been there, done that. And all of them say the same thing. You're not going to know everything. But if you have the will and the tenacity, then you're just start doing it because you'll learn it or it'll come or you know what I mean, but you just have to get started. So that's the thing that I'm really trying to, you know, reinforce with myself. <laughs> that's very true. For better or worse, I do have a tendency to dive in head first. <laughs> Which is, is a good thing. <laughs> and it is. Sometimes you do have to learn hard lessons that way. That's but. true. <laughs> Sometimes there will be tears. <laughs> Absolutely. I but that. overall, it's a really, really, you know, it was, a, it was a great experience. I always, I'm very open with sharing with other people who want to do things. So I'm like, let me tell you what not to do. <laughs> no, that's awesome. But, but I love the it. The point that you make about you're never going to be 100% ready is so true. Because if I had waited to be 100% ready, mm-hmm. it probably would have never happened. Right. And in hindsight, now I know that even just with myself of trying to be so 100%, you know, I had my quit my microphone and all the research on that and the equipment and then learning the software. And it's just like, you got to do this. You just, (laughs) you're not going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect. So just do it. And I'm now, now that I'm out here doing this, it's good. I just, and I see, you know, like I started my YouTube channel right after like a couple months afterwards. And because I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm, I'm going to start diving in. (laughs) And even if I'm not like all the way there. So that's wonderful. I love seeing um, people's stories about, you know, how they get from A to Z. And Mm -hmm. um, so, and I have your 12 inch clammy. Okay. And I can't wait to use it. But again, it's like I'm saving it for a project for me. <laughs> so that's another yes. thing. I think I'm going to have to start diving in on my own projects. So. Yes, you have to. You have to just it <laughs> yeah. Make, make you a priority. Exactly. Oh, there's only so many hours in a day. And the other thing is, I think I like to just do too many things. Yeah. So, but you know, you, only, no li- you only live yeah. once. So you just right. got to do. I'm, right. I'm a little bit like squirrel, squirrel, because now after I um, had my last week's guest on, she's um, has this really pretty hexy crochet afghan, where it's oh. almost like English paper piecing. Oh. So you just crocheted the little hexy pieces. Oh. Isn't that cool? This is why when I started quilting, because of the fact that I was the serial crafter that many of us are, when uh-huh. I started quilting, I'm like, that's all I'm going to do is quilt. Yeah. And just recently, I and mean, after doing garments for so many years, I had, didn't even do garment sewing the, you know, nine or 10 years mm-hmm. I've been I pretty much, and just within the last year, I've been dipping my toe back into making garments again, just for me, mm-hmm. because I find out that um, it's easier for me to selfish sew and sew a garment because I can complete a dress in three hours versus selfish sewing and sewing a quilt for me. Because then I think, oh, I should be working on this pattern or I have this project due or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if I'm sewing a garment, then I find it's a little bit easier for me to sew selfishly. True. Yeah. 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 And it's kind of like a fast finish. So I love those too. Sometimes I'll sew like a bag or something like that. And it's cool. So, mm -hmm. but um, so you've got your, your templates and you have your patterns um, and you have fabrics with Hoffman. With Hoffman, yes, I do. It's yeah. um, that's been a really big learning experience for me as well because 
surface design is a completely different monster mm-hmm. um, than, you know, quilt design or developing templates and all of this other. And I, I just, re- my uh, third line is in stores now. Um, it's called 1985. And I still don't feel like I have my sea legs under me with fabric designs. Mm-hmm. I, feel, I don't feel a hundred percent confident with what I, I love what I put out. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I still am a little bit more hesitant than I would like to be. Oh, interesting. Um, so I'm thinking like towards my fourth line and what do I want to put out with that? And I think I'm just going to go all in with something that really reflects me. Mm-hmm. Like even more, I think everything I do reflects me, but even more. And then just like set the fear aside and just dive and go for it. So mm. we'll see how that goes. <laughs> good, good. I'm looking forward to it. You know, your um, double Dutch line, Yes. Um, there's a fabric. I don't have it yet. I really, really want it though. It's the indigo. And you taught, you could describe it as like ice cream dots, but when I see it, it reminds me of my light bright from when I was a kid. <laughs> oh yeah. So, so yeah, it, it was made, you can see it more on the white one that has the, uh, but you can see it more on the white print. Mm-hmm. Um, the, um, it's supposed to represent candy dots. Right. Yeah, it's supposed oh, to the, oh, candy different. dots. I thought it was the ice cream. You know the, the little I, dots on the, that were glued on the, on the paper. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I could see exactly. that now. I could totally see that. Yeah. Exactly. But so. um, very cool. They're very kind of like retro, which is um, like, you know, reminds me when I grew up. Yeah. That's that one. A little throwback. Yeah, yeah. And the 1985. Yeah. Totally. And all, all of my fabric is a little bit of a throwback. So my first line was um, graphic. Mm-hmm. And that was in homage to graffiti and street art. It's from being raised in South Central Los Angeles. Okay, and I mean the influences of the that the hip hop culture and kind of street art all around me growing up. Um, and then the next line, double Dutch, was an homage to um, like an urban childhood, uh-huh. but it was my urban childhood. So once again, that's being raised in the, I was born in 76 of so being raised in the eighties as well. Mm-hmm. So ice cream truck artwork. And it, I wanted to capture that one day, um, when you are let, you know, a day in the summer when you're outside playing jump rope with your friends and you hear the ice cream truck, that was the oh, moment. I was, yeah. Yeah. That's called double Dutch. And then 1985, I got to dive into the archive, the Hoffman archives and um, pull out prints for inspiration. Okay. So I use original artwork, and this is not from quilting cottons. This is from fabric that they developed for manufacturers back for that did like board shorts and um, okay. yeah. And so mm-hmm. it's really funky, crazy prints, and we use those as inspiration. And then from there, I built my prints off of off of original Hoffman archives. Artwork, I mean, artwork from the archives. So yeah, I like it. I'm looking at it right now. So this rainbow one, I mean, it really captures because I grew up exactly in those times. Right. Uh, and these are all the colors. And I I had those sunglasses with the paint splotches all on the front of the glass. Exactly. 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 <laughs> yeah. And they didn't have the technology back then that they do now where you could probably because they, they brought that back. I saw some of those splotchy glasses like a couple years ago, I'm not but you could see through them. Versus yeah. in the 80s, they were actual like paint lines that you really didn't see through. <laughs> but you, right, you just right, thought right. you were cool because you had it all over your glasses. Even if you can't see. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Cool. Yeah. So um, I like it. That's nice. Um, 
and your your fabric design. So you're an engineer by trade. Um, does that does it mean like that you already knew sort of the software, or did you pick it up quickly, like the Adobe, to do this fabric and quilt pattern design? So I actually um, am self taught. So when I decided I was going, when I got laid off my job, I'm like, okay, what do I have to learn to do the pattern design? This is before I even thought about fabric. I had thought about it, but I didn't have a, I wasn't even playing with fabric then. Um, And I'm like, okay, I need to learn the Adobe suite. So um, I mainly work in Illustrator and InDesign. I do a little bit of Photoshop and I'm pretty much completely self-taught on that. And I had to learn that to do my patterns. For my uh, fabric design, I still rely heavily on the um, the designers at Hoffman. Because mm-hmm. when I first started working with them, I'm like, I've never done repeats. I don't know the formats you guys need in. I don't know anything. And they were like, that's fine. So I work closely. And it's actually a challenge to be able to communicate your concepts to designers mm-hmm. and go back and forth. And there's, there's a, a level of trust that has, exists between you and the designer as well, that they have to trust what you're communicating to them and vice versa. Right, right. To trust them to give you. And a lot of times they look at me like, you want me to do what? Okay. <laughs> but they always go back and do it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, that's what I want. And they're oh, like, cool. okay. You know, and then like, after the fact, after everything that is out, they were like, oh, I really like it now that I see it all together, you know, but it's about trusting your own vision and yeah. being able to work with to communicate that as well. So I do rely heavily still as far as artwork with my fabric design uh-huh. on the design team at Hoffman, and they've been really great to work yeah. with. Yeah, And uh-huh. they're out of California, right? Hoffman? Yeah, so, so good. They're so in Orange County. To, do you, all right. So you get to actually go in to an hour away. Yeah. <gasps> That's really nice. Oh, yes. Cool. Yeah. All right. Nice. Yeah. Fun. So do you have a collection coming out? At, uh, 1985 released when? It released in the fall. Okay. In Houston. So I generally only do one collection every year. Maybe even good. I just think that the market with so much fabric and creatively, um, I I'm so drained by spreading myself way too thin because I am a one woman show. Like I don't even have an assistant now. And even though I'm at that stage where I need one. Oh, wow. (laughs) Interesting. So yes, I, and I just, it was just a decision. Like I'm only going to put one fabric line out a year. I don't think the industry needs more than that right now. I think there's a lot of fabric out. I agree with you. I'm telling you, I can't even keep up myself. I mean, when I first, you know, like in that, 2015 is when people really were starting to like um, educate themselves on what designers are out there and whose collections are coming out when. And, you know, then we had like the Instagrams and stuff pop up where people would like film stuff from the shows. And so, you know, at first I really was like gung-ho on that. I'm like, all right, yes, I'm going to know whose collection is, you know, timely. like that and I did for a little bit but now in the last like couple years I'm just like let it go I can't yeah. there's no way that it's I can over- collect every single person's it's collection it's overwhelming and then <laughs> I think the, the negative flip side is that I buy less fabric because of the fact that it's so much fabric out there yeah. that I know I'm going to find something when I decide that I need something right so it's the flip side is I actually purchase less fabric with this extreme amount of fabric in the market. So I don't mm-hmm. know if it's really good for the market even to be like flooded as much. Right. Yeah. So, it's, but, it is. Yeah. it's overwhelming. It's a lot. Yeah. It really is. And then I just don't like, I mean, I know it is what it is and it has to be, but 
when they introduce fabric lines, they introduce it and they get people so excited over it, like six months at least before people can even get their hands on this fabric. So that kind of like irritates me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the cycles are really... yeah. yeah. And really, so that's why I stopped following a lot of it, because um, I was getting so excited over this, you know, one fabric line coming out. And I literally months and months, but then it was so saturated, like, because people got the, got got it early, the influencers or whatever, ambassadors, and they're making all this cool stuff. And you're like, when am I going to be able to buy this? Right, and then right. when it came out, I'm like, I don't even want it anymore. <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> so now I try not to follow all the market stuff yeah. because I would rather be more pleasantly surprised when these quilt shops can get yeah. it. And it's frustrating for the quilt shops too because I interviewed my local quilt shop on the show and and she said, you know, they, they order this stuff in advance and she's like, it takes so long to get it here. Exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes they don't even remember what they order. Exactly. <laughs> I know. So, I like that one a year. I, I'm with you on that for sure. Yeah. All the way. Um, and then your, um, oh, you, you mentioned it a little bit before, but this blueprint blueprint class that just came out is really great. I <laughs> love it. I'm going to watch it again because I had it on just, just to like watch it all the way through. But mm-hmm. now I'm going to watch it again just to really, you know, pay a little bit more attention to your technique and stuff. But yeah, it's, it's, it's so it's pretty. It's a fun technique. Um, the quilts actually go together a lot quicker than it's like the rainbow quilt is a really easy. sew. um, mm-hmm. even though it's a technique that people aren't really familiar with, um, I, they, I got to some really fun things. They painted my set to match my quilts. Oh, cool. So That's pretty. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's a pretty visually. It's a really pretty class. They did a great job on it. The quilts are really fun. Um, the technique is also really fun. So it's mm-hmm. one of my favorite techniques to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, because once you learn the technique, you can really play with it yourself as well. Mm-hmm. So it's a bias tape, at, top stitch bias tape applique. Mm-hmm. And I just got my quilts back from Blueprints. I was laying them out and laid on them last night. Oh, and made cool. me so happy because the rainbow quilt is such a happy quilt, you know. I and the other one is a modern double wedding ring quilt, which is a really fun way to sew a double wedding ring, sort of the quilt as well. So. Oh, double wedding ring is one of my favorites. Um, and it was so much fun after like shooting my YouTube videos, like in the corner of my bedroom. Um, to be able to have like cameraman and a producer and all of this. And it was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> right. Like actual camera lights production. <laughs> exactly. You're not trying to like figure it out on your own and run be- between your iPad and your. Where oh, your <laughs> I, t- I totally know that. I, cause I've been putting up some YouTube videos of my own and I'm just trying, struggling to get through like, I'm looking over there because that's where my sewing is at. But now, now I'm thinking, like, should I install something on the ceiling for my down shots? Or, you know, how am I going <laughs> to? It's so nice yeah. to have someone that takes care of all that for you. Exactly. It was fascinating. It yeah. was and it was a great team that worked with us. Well, I mean, there was a lot of changes between when it transitioned from Crossley to Blueprint. Yeah. And um, so I know some, some of the earlier instructors kind of struggle with that. But I didn't have that sort of baggage. And I'm like, why not? I designed two quilts. We shoot for a week in Denver. You know what I mean? It took me the prep work and stuff to go into it, but it ended up being a really fabulous experience. And I'm really happy with the, I'm proud of the product that was put out at the end. So. Yeah. Well, so, well, is this your first uh, class with them? Mm-hmm. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, you're right. So you don't have what it was before. I mean, yeah. just as a user, 
Um, I, I, I was on Craftsy like right when it first started. I loved it when they were small and I kind of was already, I kind of knew I'm like, if they <laughs> continue to grow, <laughs> I just kind of want to keep them my secret and everybody go away. <laughs> Cause when, yeah. you, when you grow so much, then things have to change. They just, it's just, have to. you know, yeah. Yeah. Be. yeah. So they may not have done everything great, but like until recently, um, blueprint didn't really have a good navigation. So I, I was trying to find certain classes that I knew were there somewhere, but now they finally have um, incorporated it in there. So yeah. my, li- my libraries, because you know, Craftsy was separate and the blueprint and it was, so I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's much better trans- now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they're putting a, there's a lot more production um, thought is being put into the production from the back end. Mm-hmm. So instead of just having standard sets, they're really customizing things to each teacher. And so I think the quality of the classes themselves are going to improve a bit too. So oh, I'm kind of excited. Yeah. yeah. But um, I'm really happy with the product. Yeah. Well, the, your the class turned out so, fantastic. The trailer is so pretty. I'm like, oh my God, I look professional. <laughs> <laughs> well, you it. know, it is NBC. <laughs> <laughs> it's so. good though. It's all good. But um but what I was gonna say about that bias class is that um because you know I it's not new to me, but the only bias that I've um ever, you know, seen on quilts and attempted to do was more of that traditional little skinny vine thing. <laughs> and I love like the different sizes mm-hmm. and the big bias strips. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. Yeah, and so I used the two-inch bias tape strips for the rainbow quilt. Yeah, I love that. Size that, like, I've never even seen the two-inch being sold in stores. You have to go, like, go on Amazon or whatever and buy it. But it's a really fun size to play with because it's so bold. Oh, and wait. So the two-inch makes a finished two-inch strip? Yeah. Because <gasps> I only have the one-inch. And I mm-hmm. thought that was big. <laughs> the two-inch. All right. Yeah, I have to get it. I have to get it. Two inch by finger. All right, cool. Oh, I'm so excited. Great. All right. Well, let's take a turn and talk about your creative life. And um, I think you alluded to this a little bit, but what do you love to do most um, for you? Like when you're creating for yourself, what fills your soul? And it doesn't have to be quilting, but I mean, there's just probably other things. I don't know. Do you garden or you, I know you craft. <laughs> I, do, I actually nowadays cook. pretty much. Oh, I do cook. I do love to cook. But pretty much nowadays, I, I all of my focus is on building my business. Mm-hmm. And um, and I've, I've sort of been struggling with the creative process a bit lately because of the fact that when you're creating for a specific purpose is very different than creating just because right. and a lot of my best quilt designs and even patterns and things came from the designs where I was creating just for the sake of creation. But when you're building a business, then a lot of times you're creating under very different um, uh, constraints and you have different parameters around how you're creating and why and the types of things that you, you know, design for patterns or whatever. So I've kind of been trying to step back a little bit back into that space where I'm creating just for the sake of creating, um, which is sometimes more difficult to do under a deadline. Um, but I just like to keep my eyes open. My very first blog was I dream of quilts. 
And I, a lot of my creative process isn't real deliberate. I kind of just throw ideas into the back of my mind and let my mind sort of stew over them and germinate and things will start to pop up and pop out. Um, and I try to expose myself to beauty in all different forms. So I look for beauty in unusual places. So I live in South Central Los Angeles. We moved to help take care of my 98-year-old grandfather. So we are living in his home close to Watts in South Central Los Angeles. So it's not the most typically beautiful environment. Mm -hmm. But I look for those sparks of beauty that you see even in spaces that may not necessarily be typically beautiful. Mm -hmm. So I take uh, the time to look up and look down, to look beyond, to see things and unusual circumstances, to see the way people put clothes together or colors or, you know, and, and I try to expose myself keep my eyes open at all times, but I also try to expose myself to beauty in more traditional sense, you know, forms. So I love like art museums. I mm. love, um, art. I love architecture is a big, um, a big area that I really, really, really love. So I just mm -hmm. try to keep myself really open to be even absorbed. So then when I do decide to create that I have a lot to pull from and a lot of different types of things to pull from as well. Yeah, that's very true what you say about that cuz um you know, I'm I'm transitioning to this quilting maker side of my business versus my interior design side and I find it the same that you know, when you focus so much on work and what has to be done and deadlines, sometimes it stifles a little bit. And then when I actually take a break, and sometimes my husband is just like, come on, we need to go to the dog beach or, you know, out in the <laughs> outside. <laughs> and we go and I same thing. I love looking for that beauty out there everywhere. And and it's like just an afternoon out, outside in a different setting, and and just soaking it in really just helps to refill and refuel and give you a different perspective on things. So that's so true. And I think a lot of creatives work like that anyway, just because I think it's it's just the nature of being creative. I mean, you really have to clear your mind in your spirit <laughs> in order to, you know, let yourself. You and know. then there's also a lot of pressures kind of being in this industry. So I think the pressure of like the, the whole social media pressure of, of comparing yourself to other oh, creators. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot, and I try like theoretically, I understand what that is, mm -hmm. but in reality, I, I experience it just like so many other people do as well. So a lot of times I have to really step back, you know, from all of that as well and um, I'm even thought about like I'm going to quilt market. I don't have a booth this time. I only do one booth a year. And usually the the market that my um, fabric line comes out, you know, but even like looking forward to quilt market, I'm just being very conscious of not um, doing the compare game right. and being appreciate other people's work and art for what it is mm -hmm. and not using that as any way to judge or compare myself, you know, and it's mm -hmm. a tough sort of a challenge, but it's it's a real challenge yeah. and it's a reality. Um, being a creative in a very creative industry because we have some amazing makers, you know. So amazing. Oh, <laughs> it's unreal. I know. Right. right. It's so true. And that's why I too, like personally, look to other creative uh, industries for creativity so that I don't have that pressure. Because yeah. it's it's natural. We're all, even if we say, I'm not paying attention to what anybody else is doing. Yes, you are. <laughs> 
you're, you're seeing it. You have if you love to do quilting, you're going to see other quilts. So exactly. it's just you know making yourself more a little bit more. I guess building your confidence to not let it get to you. But like, I even listen like for podcasts, I listen to this woodworking podcast and I mean, uh, I don't woodwork, but these guys are so creative. They have YouTube channels. They've got great advice for, you know, the, I get tips about filming and stuff like that, but even like the stuff that they make, the, the one guy is making signs for, for bullet uh, whiskey <laughs> and it's just so creative. I just, I mean, you can get creative, you know, cues from that. So, and, and even with gardening too. So um, yeah, I think, I think that's right. And it's, it's a, a little bit more healthy way to look at things uh, when you don't get stuck in that little, I don't know, quagmire of comparison. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, thanks for sharing that because it's, you know, even if we're not in a creative business and we're doing this as our hobby, you still fall into that with not even wanting to show, maybe you don't even want to post on Instagram because, oh my gosh, so-and-so made the same quilt and it looks so much better, la la la. So yeah. I just think it's good for us to realize that everybody's in the same boat and we're all thinking sort of the same thing. But at the same time, when we see really good work put out by other creatives, I mean, we also love to support that and say, hey, that looks awesome. Absolutely. You know, and, and I feel like we do, but it's a good reminder to maybe just like put a little comment on someone's post, like, hey, that's awesome. That looks great. Yeah. I love it. Because awesome. I try to do it as much as I can. And um, I like when people do it, you know, to me. <laughs> so. everyone, everyone has some level of insecurities. Yeah. And- you know, we got to, sh- we got to show love. <laughs> exactly. Share the love. Absolutely. Share the love. Send the Great love. Um, so going back to sewing and quilting, what are a couple of your favorite notions and tools? I know one of them. <laughs> <laughs> the clammy. Um, so I, I'm one of those, I love tools, but I don't like tools just for the sake of having them. So right. I don't like to have too much stuff, but I love you know, some of my favorite tools are things that you get from the heart, like the hardware store, like masking tape is one of my favorite. So I use it oftentimes for um, guides. I even show a little trick like on my um, blueprint class for joining your bias tape strips using masking tape on the bed of your machine. And mm-hmm. um, I like really practical tools like, like that, that maybe not be a super name brand or super expensive. Like we were talking about seam rollers earlier. I yeah. still buy my seam rollers from the hardware store. Right. They're wallpaper rollers. That's yep. what they traditionally were. They're just rebranded as quilting tools and sold for more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so, but what do I really, really love? Like a must take. Um, I love my Kai scissors. Oh yeah. Um, they're fabulous. I have a, I've sewed a lot of, not personally, but I've sewed a lot of the roundabout mats for Martelli because it's a, 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 oh, a yes. rotating cutting mat. That's really, really amazing. So, and I'm one of those, I'm an enabler in my circle of friends, quote friends. <laughs> I, I wound up getting everyone to buy what I love too. So we have a lot of Janome owners in our, in the LA Guild because of that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
I I know those roundabout mats look so good, but I already got those square ones from Ulfa. So I know I have like a small one and a bigger one. And then the roundabout will change your life. Really? Oh, I just got to so do a little it. hint. Sign up for the Martell because they're not cheap. No, sign up for the, sign up for the Martelli newsletter. Mm-hmm, I do. Like twice a year, they do their 50% off sale. Oh, oh, oh okay. Twice yeah. a year. <laughs> That's my little hint. Thank but I demo, I demo with them because they're great for cutting around like the 12 inch clammy, which you have, which you own. And yeah. I demo with them at shows and the Martelli booth always gets lots of traffic from my booth because people are like, Oh, I need that. Where are you? Right. Go? Right. I need to start selling those in my booth as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They're, oh, yeah. And it's round, right? It's not. It square. Round. See, it, I, I understand. it has a very heavy base and it's uh. very stable and sturdy okay. so the, um, and there are other brands out there that you know are good as well but that's just one I really I really do love a lot uh, that's good to know yeah I think I do need to do the upgrade so because the square one is okay but those corners definitely get in the way a mm-hmm. lot when you're trying to you know turn mm-hmm. it around and then the, there is no not really a base it's just like a right know, a flimsy and- thing that falls off yeah so cool. All right. I'm glad you like that. That's interesting. <laughs> I'm definitely going to look for that. Uh, I'm on their, new, their mailing list, so I will be yeah. getting that email. Twice a year they do a big 50% off sale or a couple times a year they do. So I always All tell right. people for it. <laughs> Very good. See, I love learning about, I, I, I like tools to be useful, but I am also like a gadgety type person. So <laughs> anything that make my life easier, I love. <laughs> have a lot of space so I have to be really like I'm gonna only buy things that I really use you know well I don't have a lot of space either but I don't know it doesn't stop you (laughs) I find a spot for it (laughs) I think we all do (laughs) um and what tips can you give listeners or quilters on sewing with curves and bias tape just something the biggest thing the biggest thing is um Everything that we, I always, my, my tagline and my philosophy about sewing in general has always been nothing is difficult if we take it one stitch at a time. Okay. Everything that we sew is one stitch at a time. Right. And that was kind of the philosophy that we adopted when I was a kid. And we didn't know that sewing a Vogue pattern was supposed to be hard. Oh. So we just, we just dove in and we wow. would try whatever. And sometimes we would fail and fall on our face and we just go to the next project, you know? <laughs> So it's like, don't be afraid to fail. And everything is one stitch at a time. So with sewing curves, um, uh, I did do a series of YouTube videos finally about my pinless piecing technique. Mm-hmm. Um, and just go for it. It takes a little bit of practice. Um, if you use my technique, it's a, it feels a little bit awkward and backwards from how we normally sew because we're using both of our hands a lot at our machine. Mm-hmm. But try it. Go okay. for it, dive in, watch the YouTube videos. And um, I don't have YouTube up for the bias tape applique, but the blueprint class is really, really great for that. It really is. I also did a fresh quilting. Um, it was a PBS show. Oh, yes. Modern Quilt Guild did. Um, so I did a fresh quilting episode on bias tape applique that I think is still available for viewing. I may have it recorded on my DVR because I record the Fresh Quilting Show, but I have kind of like, I don't know, 12 episodes in the queue. <laughs> it was from the first season, and I think I have a link to it on my YouTube. Oh, all right. I'll grab a, a link. I think I do. If not, I'll send it to send you. Send it, because I'll put it yeah. on the show notes page. Oh, perfect. That will be great. Yeah. Okay. And um, 
also on your um, YouTube um, one where you were sewing the clammy rows together. Um, I like you did those little um, screen rolls at the bottom of like, now, this goes against my no pin rule. But believe me, when I say to pin, you should pin. And there's always- only three pins. And that's how I do it. I, I do like one, yeah. two and three. So that's, that's for the, the, the clam toss pattern. Okay. And the clam toss is different. The glam clam is sewed in, sewn in vertical rows, like a row at a time from top to bottom. Okay. Clam toss is sewed in these diagonal wavy rows. Because and they're the, off. The they're, yeah. It's exactly. All the clams are in different orientations. Right. And those diagonal rows have the curve changes direction. So you go from right. convex to concave along the whole thing. Right. So the only way to get a good accurate seam is to pin. I'm, mm-hmm. I always say that I'm an anti-pinner. I'm not. I believe in pinning where necessary, mm-hmm, but too. I also am not an over pinner. Right. So if I can do it without pinning, I'm going to figure out how to do, how to do that. <laughs> exactly. Because it takes more time to pin. You right. Know, so if I can get an excellent right. quality product mm-hmm. without pinning. Um, but yeah, if I'm telling you to pin on something, then you should probably <laughs> just go ahead and listen to me. That's funny. I was <laughs> laughing when I saw that. <laughs> yeah, but that that is a very similar process to when you construct um, – uh, a double wedding ring quilt because you're sewing the rows together and they go convex and concave. So yeah. you definitely have to pin because I tried to sew those rows without pins and I'm like, why am I having so many problems? And I'm like, oh, maybe I should try pinning this. And then it was like so much easier. So yeah, that's great. Um, but I love, I love that you, you really seem to um, like, you know, your thing is sewing with curves and I love curves and sewing with them too. So I think it's great. And your patterns are beautiful. Um, The curve sewing is not a deliberate, I don't think I love sewing with curves. Really? I just always end up sewing curves. (laughs) It's the weirdest thing. And then I got into the whole, like the whole path of the clammy and the glam clam. I just, it, it started this whole, opened this whole, like, a path that my business has followed that wasn't necessarily a deliberate decision, you really? know, but, um, it was meant people, to be, it was meant to be. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a happy path. I love it. Yeah. I like it too. <laughs> yeah. I just, I, my, I myself gravitate towards curves in design, anything. And I just like it because it's just that more That's organic cool. shape is just more interesting to me. I really yeah. like it. Yeah. Um, well, great. I um, I got I just got like this little fun quiz left, and sure. uh, it's the first time I'm doing this, so because <laughs> yeah. I thought maybe I can get some interesting tidbits from people that we don't know. That's okay. kind of fun. So, what's your favorite food that's good for you health wise and not so good for you, but yummy? Your favorite? So those are two different things, right? <laughs> right. Like you know, like when we say favorite food. Most of the times it's like something that's super like, you know, rich and calorie laden, but we can also have like a favorite healthy food too, right? <laughs> well, the interesting thing is I am all about um, trying, I'm, I'm, I love to cook, but I don't ever like to make the same recipe twice. I like to wow. try something. I like to try new things. I'm the weird person that'll like throw a whole dinner party and with all new recipes. <laughs> <laughs> that person but one of the weird things I did as a child was to read cookbooks and I wouldn't always my mom thought I was just the weirdest child ever because I would check out (laughs) along with my quilting books and I didn't even quilt back then but I would check out quilting books and craft books and cookbooks so I can spot a good recipe it's like a talent I have I can read a recipe like that's going to be great 
And so um, I love to try new recipes and things, but I've been on a kind of a health kick for the past year and a half. So I lost 40 pounds and um, I eat pretty much eat keto. So I cut out a lot of the really bad stuff. But back in the day, I used to love like anything like desserts and ice cream, but so yeah. homemade ice cream would probably be my one like. <gasps> Yeah. That's worth it if it's homemade ice cream. It's so good. It's like nothing like it. <laughs> don't you hate it when you eat something that you're like, that was so not worth all the calories and fat. I, I just consumed. Like, why did I do that? <laughs> why? Like, yeah. You better make it worth it. And then yeah. I guess I love, I'm a big uh, fruit person. So they get what's good and but healthy for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I live in Southern California. So summertime is oh. coming. Right? And I don't eat a lot of that, you know, now in the way that I eat. But if I were to cheat, fruit would be the thing I would cheat on. Okay. Watermelon and berries. And <laughs> oh, wait, because is, is that like not part of the keto, the fruit? It's not. You can eat some berries, but for the most part, you don't do, um, you don't do high carb at all. And oh, food, so bananas food. would be out and avocados yeah. would be out. Yeah. Avocados are in. Avocados are totally in. I oh, they're in? Food. Oh, because I love avocados. And man, Cal- California. Yeah. <gasps> Oh, I love it. I know when we go out there, I just love the food because it's just so fresh and you see all the farms, like you're driving by all the farms and you see avocado farm. Oh my gosh. (laughs) But the the best thing that I love now is any kind of vegetables roasted. (gasps) Yes. Any kind of vegetables like cauliflower roasted. We had asparagus last night roasted Mm -hmm. like that's my that's my jam right now. <laughs> yeah, I love them too, roasted because it brings out their natural sweetness and that caramelization Absolutely. is the best. So oh, good. love it too. Oh, that's great. Okay. So, um, probably a way longer answer than you were asking. No, <laughs> it's good. It's fine. <laughs> What's your favorite weather season of the year? Like springtime. Oh, is it really? Oh, but Los Definitely. Angeles is different though cuz what is a Los Angeles spring? Yeah, this is true. But we lived in Texas for a number of years. Okay. We, had, we, we didn't have a, great, a, a much of a winter, but you definitely knew when springtime came around. Okay. I was born in the spring, which probably has something to do with it. But I think I have a mild case of SAT, which has never been diagnosed. But but even winters mm-hmm. in California are hard for me. Like I need my long, I need sunshine. So when that season starts to change and the days start to get longer, mm-hmm. my body automatically notices it. Yeah. Springtime, I feel like I'm coming alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spring is definitely my favorite. Interesting. Fall is my favorite, but I'm in a much colder climate. Yes. And um, I do get the SAD too, for sure. Yeah. Um, but I still would prefer winter over summer <laughs> because I, I just can't deal. <laughs> I can't deal with the mosquitoes and oh, yeah. like the, the, that hot, humid sun. We're getting mosquitoes in LA now. And I'm so, I mean, like, Indiana. Are. oh my God, it's horrible. Oh, I'm like, one great thing about living here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I never knew that. Huh. Maybe yeah. so. Maybe so. Mosquitoes aren't normally in more like arid, dry climates. I I guess not. Maybe. Oh, not. interesting. We definitely okay. had them in Texas, but we normally don't have them in LA. Yeah, we <laughs> got them. We got them here, but man, the most I have been exposed to mosquitoes is when we visited my sister in law up in Canada and went up to their cottage country in Ontario. Wow. Oh man, I was like, we we went on, you know, to 
these trails in the woods. I mean, it's beautiful, but I'm like, I have to get out of here. Like the mosquitoes are like swarming on me. You can hear the buzz. (laughs) Yeah. And you can feel it. They were just like, I mean, (laughs) it was terrible, but. Anyway. <laughs> that's why i mean i watch all those alaska shows and like they uh, they always say like they prefer the winter because in the summer and you can even see when they're filming there's just all these mosquitoes like everywhere yeah. oh, it's crazy <laughs> but anyway i digress so do you have a favorite color and what is a least favorite color um i love all the colors. And by that, I don't mean I love the rainbow, but I think that every color is necessary Mm -hmm. because, because when it's when you, how you combine them and when you put them together, Um, a color that I thought that I hated because when I was growing up, we had to wear these horrible forest green uniforms Mm -hmm. and, and these really shades that kids should never have to be be forced to wear. So I thought (laughs) that I hated green, but as an adult, I realized I love green, but more of the brighter, like Kelly green kind Mm, of color. Okay. But there's no color that I dislike. Really? Oh, man, I have a couple I do. <laughs> a lot of people do. And it's, those, you know, colors like purple and orange. People either usually hate them or love them. I love but purple. Don't love orange. Love, yeah, I like that a lot. It's funny um, how people mm-hmm. feel about colors. But I think I love them all together because I like to play with unusual color combinations and putting them together in different mm-hmm. ways, you know. Yeah, that's fun. Yeah. All right. If you could live in any era, this is the last one. Uh, when would it be and why? Any time era. You know, like some people say, oh, I was born in the wrong, you know, time. I should have been born in the 40s or something like that. Okay. I don't know. Um, that one is tough because I just think about like kind of the struggle of my people over time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think I think I would I want to be born now and living now just yeah. because of the fact that there are lots of opportunities we still have the possibility of change and growth um there's a lot of things that are in flux right now mm-hmm. you know and and so I'm just really embracing the now mm-hmm. um and I think I was in the perfect time so oh wow that's good yeah. Very good. I don't know. Sometimes I, you know, when I watch these time era pieces, like um, one that just finished up a season was Versailles. And that's like mm-hmm. in the, I don't know, 1700s. But it's just crazy to be in that time of where you were part of the court of this King Louis the Fourteenth, And it just everything was in excess. And all the fashion and all the architecture that they did is just crazy. So I'm like, it would just be interesting only if you were able to live that lifestyle. Yeah. Like, only that if day you, were time. Of, you were part of a certain class. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And, and yeah. getting the king off and get, get beheaded or yeah. something like that. But then, I, but then I remember, oh, penicillin, penicillin wasn't invented yet and uh, probably yeah. would die <laughs> really soon. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly. cool. Very, very good. So um, do you have anything else to promote coming up for Latifah Sephir Studios in the next year or two? I just completed a pattern that's been in the making for like three years, which is a pieced clamshell pattern called Callaloo. So it's really fun because it's a sampler. 
Um, and so uh, you can make the sampler quilt that's on the cover, or you can take each one of the, it's 10 different piece clamshell shapes. You can take each one individually and make a quilt out of those individual clamshell oh. piece clamshell, or you can mix and match. So I'm really excited about that. Cool. Uh, well, cadets, I'm in the process of finalizing the new patterns that I work with with Annabelle Wrigley from Little Pincushion Studios. Oh, cool. So hopefully those will go to print over the next few weeks. And after that, I'm working on just marketing and promotion of things that I have. I have a new ruler that's in development that I'm not going to say any more about. Okay. Our template set. So I'm working on that. Just a lot of future stuff. But I'm kind of taking a step back and just really trying to figure out like marketing and getting yeah. things to the public and um, mm-hmm. trying to figure out kind of my path in this. So, yeah. And then just to also enjoy yourself too, while oh. you're doing it um, and, and not putting too much on your plate either. Cause you're in a <laughs> lot, you're in a lot. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I know how to not do that, but I'm starting, I'm trying to, I'm trying to be more um, careful about what I say yes to and what I say no to. Yeah, I, I hear a lot of people saying that now. Yeah. Um, versus like five years ago, everybody was just like everything. Yes, yes, yes. 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 But so many more people are saying that now, um, which is good. It's nice to hear. And um, I think it puts everybody else at rest, like all your customers and everything too. Like it's okay. You do not have to be, you know, like in a frenzy <laughs> to keep exactly. up to keep up with everybody. Um, like I. I um, d- started this, uh, you know, quilt along and it's still going on right now, but it's almost over. And I, I knew, I knew I wasn't going to be able to keep up with it, but I just like the pattern. So I will do it. Right. But, um, you know, I, I, I was kind of like feeling that pull, that toss and pull. And finally, I'm just like, it's okay. It's like, you know, like no one is gonna, you know, it's not a deadline I have to get paid. You know what I mean? Paid for or something like that. It's just exactly. like for fun. So when I can get the time to enjoy it, then I'll finish it. <laughs> I started a sewing, a garment sewing challenge. It's kind of the same way. So I'm behind as of last week, but it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be okay. It'll still be there. And exactly. I love the pattern enough that I know I'm going to finish this one. That's the other thing yeah. I've learned over time is that, um, you know, once you're kind of starting, you, you ha- I, I didn't develop like my whole like, all right, this is, I love this, I hate this, or I don't, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so now I do know. So I would start like these quilt alongs or whatever, and then I, end, I, I didn't like it. So yeah. that's when I know I'm not going to finish that one. But this yeah. one, I know I'm going to finish it because I love it that much. And I love the fabrics is, I got. There's definitely a power in learning who you are within a craft or yeah. in an art or craft. And I always tell people to embrace that and dig deep within that space. Like you don't have to do everything. Right. And uh, find things that make you happy. And that doesn't mean you can't try and play and learn new things and do new things. Mm -hmm. Find things that make you happy and do more of that. Mm-hmm. I'm a believer in that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. Well, thank you so much for sharing um, your story and just everything about your, you know, journey through your, not just your creative life, but even like growing your business and, you know, what keeps you going. Um, it's really refreshing to see that. And um, I like your one fabric line a year. So keep on going with that. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for saying yes to being on my show. I really appreciate it. I'm so honored. And um, yeah, I just, um, I love seeing what you post. That pattern that you're talking about, the, I think you recently were posting some progress on it. 
a couple of sna- snapshots. Yeah. Of it. I'll be posting more over the next week or two. Yeah. You get to see a lot of it. And I'm hoping to do a, um, a quilt along slash challenge with it. And I'm actually going to do a, cha- a design challenge with it. So, so with people, I'm challenging people to use the pattern as a, as a kind of a base point and to design quilts around it. So I'm kind of excited about that. It's a little oh, bit different. nice. I like that. Okay, very good. So um, I'll put everything on the show notes. And um, yeah, we'll just uh, keep our our eye out for um, all of your upcoming things. And definitely encourage people to watch her blueprint class because I watched it and it is uh, wonderful. It's amazing. And I can't wait to get that two inch bias maker. (laughs) You have to get it. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks, Latifah. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the show today. Latifa has just a wealth of knowledge in quilting and sewing, and she so generously shares it. So I just really love her so much. She is such an inspiration, and um, it was so nice to talk with her. And... I looked at my little bias because I have a collection of little um, those bias tape makers and I do I do have a two inch one I'm so excited Um, I remember when I got it too because I bought a set of these bias tape makers at a quilt show like 10 years ago and I've used the smaller sizes, but I've never used a giant one. So now I get to use it. Woohoo. I'm so excited. So anyway, thanks Latifa for um, sharing that um, gem. All right. So if you guys are still with me, I know this episode is crazy long. It really is. I'm almost like getting up there with the Joe Rogan lengths. <laughs> But there's just so much good stuff. So and if you guys are listening to this while you're sewing or whatever, traveling, then it doesn't really seem that long now, does it? All right. So here's just the last uh, few little tidbits. What I'm watching, um, I started talking about um, watching Les Mis and it just finished. So it was six episodes long on PBS and um, I finished it. And I really liked it. Uh, it. It just, um, it really is a great story. I think that's why it has its, you know, everlasting quality and spans all these generations. So, uh, of course, Masterpiece always does a magnificent job with all of these types of stories. So if you haven't seen it, um, you can see it on the PBS website. If you do like some, uh, I don't know, they ask for a certain donation. I think it ends up being like if you divide it out among 12 months, $5 a month. Um, and then, of course, for all of you Game of Thrones fans, I did watch the last episode of the series. And I was just meh about it. Uh, it has been getting a lot of feedback that people (laughs) were very upset with the ending. They hated it. They're like, thanks for wasting eight years of my life. I didn't really have those strong of feelings about it. But it really that last episode kind of just left me with just like, whatever, you know, it just, it was anticlimactic. And they threw in some 
um, major twists and surprises at the very end without developing some things. And I just, for me, I just felt like it was thrown together. Um, their seasons are usually eight episodes long, so I'm not quite sure why they felt like this last series season needed to be done in six episodes. Uh, they really could have taken two more episodes to make some explanations, and I'm not going to try not to do any spoilers. So in case you haven't watched it yet, but those were my feelings about it. All right. And then YouTube. I found this channel and I love it. <laughs> I have been, this person has been um, doing YouTube videos just for about over a year now. And I've been catching up. I've been doing lots of like little binge watching of her episodes. And her name is Kate. She's in Northern England. And the, her channel is called The Last Homely House East of the Sea. So it's a long title, but um, you'll you'll be able to find it if you I'll put it I'll put a link to it actually um, in my show notes so that you can go right to it. But so anyway, this this woman um, just does everything. And she's very creative. And I enjoy watching her videos. And uh, the first video that I saw came up in my recommendations. And it was um, she was making um, something out of Liberty Fabrics. And of course, I'm like, Oh, Liberty. <laughs> I drool over Liberty Fabrics. I love them. So yeah, uh, that kind of got me hooked. And then um, she does quilting. And she does a lot of different crafts and arts. So uh, she makes pottery. Um, what else? She just, just like does crafty things. She one time she was talking um, in a video, and while she was chatting, she was um, gluing Liberty scraps to a cardboard box that she was making to hold um, postcards. And these postcards uh, she makes and sends out to her Patreon supporters um, uh, at a certain, uh, the ones that donate are at a certain level. So I thought that was cool. And um, just some good ideas. And it's just interesting to see, um, you know, her lifestyle and living up in uh, a much more rural place than I'm used to. But it's absolutely gorgeous out there. She's got chickens and um, <clears throat> oh, cats and everything. So uh, a really nice woman. And uh, I really enjoy her channel. And I think you guys would too. So uh, take a look at it and let me know what you think. All right, that's it. I'm ending this episode now. It needs to have an end. So this is it. Until next time. Toodles. Thanks for listening to the Make and Decorate podcast. You can find the show notes and the podcast episodes on my website at stephaniesochadesign.com. And I appreciate any ratings, reviews, and comments that you uh, would like to post and give me feedback on Instagram or wherever you are at. Okay, bye. Bye.